Bone Bone Bone. Oh, it's Monday, guys. Monday, Monday, as, as they say, Monday Bloody Monday. Said that back in the eighties. Who the heck was that? YouTube? 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 Not YouTube. Oh. Alex, plans are to make it to hour one sixty nine. That'll be that'll be uh eight thirty next Monday. I think we need to figure out what how many hours is it till Friday. That's the question. We'll figure that number out. One sixty eight is the number of hours in a week. That's how many you got to take care of things this week. What do you have? And that's counting next Saturday and Sunday, because you know we live the life. Every morning's a Monday, every night's a Friday. Oh, man, and it's just the start of the week. What do we got going on this week? Do you guys realize that by the end of the week, you're going to be in October? Third quarter of the year, year is year is racing to an end. <laughs> Alec and Alexi, you're normal. I, I know. The normal, the normal scream, no math. No, we don't want to do math. That's why we're all on computers. We don't have to do math. Oh, good, good morning, folks. See, Alex is out there. I wonder who else is out there. In this Monday, Monday morning, I don't know, gloomy, cloudy outside, it looks like. But I do have my hot Illy coffee in a Seattle cup. Ah, if you've ever been to Seattle, great, great place. I don't know how it is now. It's been years, years since I've been up there. Uh, but I was stationed up there. Fort Lewis in my Army days. Got to spend some time in Seattle. Tacoma and Olympia, that whole area. Great place, great part of the country. If you don't get out and see your country, you need to. If you don't get out and see your world, you need to. I know it's hard to travel now, but still get out and see some stuff if you can. Um, what do we got in our cyber world today? First, we're missing our missing our logo. Let's get our logo back, guys. Come on, there we go. Missing our logo. Montgomery County, and if you're out here in the DMV, you'd think it's Montgomery, Maryland, but no, it's Tennessee, Montgomery County, Tennessee. It's got some issues going on with hackers, hacking, hacking them. Um, Google, the Google Play Store, the Android Store, as we like to call it, is in the news too. More Joker stuff found in the, in Google. More, more malicious. Malicious software served up by your Google Store, the Android Store. Um, <laughs> what uh, wonder what Mako, the insider threat, is doing while Jim is distracted? Right now, I'm pretty sure he's sleeping. That that guy gets to sleep in. Mako, Mako, you're gonna watch this later. Sleepy, sleepy time. Um, yeah, you got to get up early. Got to get up early to catch the worm. I guess if you want to eat a worm. Um, or stay up late, I guess. Two ways to eat the worm, I guess. You get up early and catch the worm. Or you stay up late and drink the whole bottle of tequila and get the worm. I guess those are two ways to get the worm, maybe. I don't know. Um, ransomware attacks are are on the... Oh, well, Pastebin. Pastebin first, then ransomware. Pastebin has made some changes. They're not unique to Pastebin, but Pastebin is the biggest dog on the block. It's the elephant in the room. A lot of folks use it for transferring malicious files. Um, 
couple new features in Pastebin. Uh, read and burn after burn after read, and then encrypting pastes pastes. People paste stuff; they can encrypt it now. They can also set it to burn after read. A um, couple things that make it harder for security researchers, and we'll talk about why. And then last last on the docket today, before we talk about your coffee coffee talk, your water cooler talk. Your holiday of the day, your crazy holiday of the day, we're going to talk about ransomware and your United States election. Um, why that's important to talk about. What's happening, what we've seen in the past, uh, and how it could impact us in the near future. About 40 days away from the election. Very, very contentious election. Lots and lots of people will be, I think you'll get... A lot of people are going to get out and vote this year. Lots of people will be out voting this year. I think that's that's the that seems to be the the uh, indicator for the year. It's going to be a lot of people out voting. So those are the big stories of the day. And you may question what the the weird holiday, the offbeat holiday of the day is. Continue to question that. Um, let's do the intro and get on. On with the news. Do do do. Wow. Gives me a chance to let me clear my throat while I get all that, that song is playing. Ah, enough like hot coffee. All right, first up in the news, Montgomery County, Tennessee. It's right down the, down the road a bit. Eric's here this morning. Good morning, Eric. Good to see you. The morning, the regular morning crew is there, up and, and ready to take on the week. So Montgomery County, Tennessee, down the road a piece. Clarksville, I think this area. This is from Clarksville, Tennessee. Clarksville now is the folks that are talking about this. Montgomery County Governments Network were taken down over the weekend uh, during a, and this is quoted, data security incident that started on Friday. While several websites were accessible on Sunday to the public, they had limited functionality. Um, Michelle Newell uh, the spokes, spokeswoman for the county stated access to the county's network is currently unavailable as a result of a data security incident we recently discovered. We immediately implemented our response protocols and began an investigation. Cybersecurity experts who have worked with other organizations that have had similar issues have been engaged. She goes on to say we're quickly we're working quickly to address the issue and restore operations. Law enforcement has been notified of the incident and we will support the investigation. As part of our response to this incident, we will also look for opportunities to further our, enhance our existing security posture. Man, looks like I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm gonna guess ransomware, that's just my guess. Um, Montgomery County Mayor Jim Durrett 
said in a statement that if the service remains unavailable into Monday, county employees will have to find alternative ways to work. It goes on to say, we understand this has been an inconvenience for our community and our employees. However, it's in our best interest to rely on experts who specialize in these types of incidents. 911 is not being affected. That's, if you know, there's a federal 911 system. Um, we used to use it in training. A couple colleges used the federal 911 system as a training tool for uh, RMF. They put in the packet together because it went through the RMF. Um, spokeswoman said 911 systems are up. There's no impact to the 911 systems. Um, pretty short read on this. I pretty much gave you the, I pretty much read the article to you. So pretty much, pretty much, that's a lot of pretty muches, guys. Hold on. A whole row of pretty muches. So, so this whole county has been affected. Clarksville, uh, Clarksville now is, is talking about Montgomery County essentially being taken offline for a bit. And, and some services may not even be back online now. So looks like they got hit on Friday. Um, they got a hold of law enforcement. They got a hold of cybersecurity professionals. And they're still, their services are still not apparently fully up and running. This article was posted yesterday, uh, yesterday morning. So Chris Smith of Clarksville now is the one that put this one together. A little short, easy read. Um, my guess my guess common ransomware that's what i'm gonna i'm gonna put a pin in this we may see it later in the week where it'll come up later as a second story i'm gonna put a pin in the clarksville story this montgomery county story saying it's ransomware um what will they do um they're trying to recover that means probably trying to pull backup tapes but this is a county so they probably got all kinds of pii hanging out there maybe even have some phi sensitive information all kinds of stuff on their networks i'm sure um, looks like it's the the work network. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb on a lot of things here and guess that they probably have people VPNing in, and we know we know that VPN combination is riddled with with danger. We know that uh, those RDP connections on the internet, bad juju. That's bad news. Don't do that. Uh, we don't patch and take care of our VPN connections. Bad juju. Don't do that. And if we don't train our users. Again, I'm going to say, bad juju, don't do that. Don't make sure we train our users. We've got to train our users. Um, so we'll see. Do you guys, what do you guys think? Do you guys think this was a uh, ransomware attack? What do you think is going on here in Montgomery County, Tennessee? A data security incident. They're calling it a data security incident. That's leading me to think it's ransomware. Why do ransomware guys do this? We're gonna start the story. We're gonna start the session. We're gonna start today's show with rant. What I think, what I believe, is ransomware. They didn't say it's ransomware. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this data security incident is ransomware, and we're gonna end the day today talking about ransomware and how it could impact our elections. Prime, we're talking about these small counties. Ransomware could set things off in a, 40 days from now. Um, how can Ransomware impact the election. Just in cyber's coming at us, man. We've got social media. The social media attacks we know are going to come. We know the false attacks are going to come in social media for both sides. Um, it's been 
it's been widely widely stated that China is supporting Biden and Russia is supporting Trump. Whether that's true or not, I personally don't know, but I've read a ton of articles that say that's how our foreign adversaries are stacked up. Uh, one supporting Biden and one supporting Trump. We know both of these countries have massive APT threats, massive cyber cyber capabilities, um, and big, big, big ability to impact social media with false stories and just sometimes it doesn't even be false stories. They just take a story and present only one part of it. Um, we see that a lot, unfortunately, in, in the news from both the right and the left. So I'm going to see social media campaigns in the next 30 days, next 40 days, and we're going to see an increase, an uptick, I think, in ransomware. And I think this is just the tip of the, this is a leading edge of what's going on. I think Clarksville, Tennessee, uh, I think you guys, think guys, you've been hit by ransomware. I think we're going to see a swing in ransomware. You know, if we've, we know the reason most people do ransomware, and that's to make money. You get in, you lock the files up, you encrypt them with a, a gigantic key, makes it impossible to decrypt the data. The, the most modern ransomware actors now are stealing a copy of the data, and if you don't pay the ransom, they're gonna post that. So they've got a two-pronged two attack. You want your data back, we'll recover it. And if you don't, if you don't go that route, because maybe you have good backups, we're going to post your data, which is another threat. Two different threats going on there in one attack. They're huge, too. Uh, the reason most of these actors are doing it is because of the payoff, the monetary payoff. My guess in the next few days, in the next few dozen days, the next, you know, less than 40 days, we're probably going to see some ransomware attacks that really aren't after the money. We might see some ransomware attacks that just take systems offline. There are a lot of people who want to impact our elections. A lot of people want to influence the U.S. elections. A ransomware, ransomware in a number of key counties can do this. And we're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk about that when we get to our last story of the day. But I think, what do you guys what do you guys think about the trends in ransomware? Let's look at the next quarter, right? The next quarter, and that covers the election, right? That'll take us into November and the election. Do you see a swing in ransomware? Do you see a swing in cyber attacks? Do you see a swing in uh, sowing of discord in social media? Yeah. Many of you that have been around, you know my my thoughts on social media. Social media is a necessary evil, I think, now today. I don't think anyone is getting away from social media. I, I don't. It's not going anywhere. A few people have, you know, likened Facebook to, you know, was supposed to be the new version of, of email. I don't know that that's ever been true. I don't know that it ever was the new version of email, but it's an interesting thought. It didn't turn that way, of course. But social media in all its flavors, all its forms, it is here to stay. That includes TikTok. And you know my feelings right now on TikTok. You know, the data is going, going someplace. The data is going, in that case, in my opinion, the data is going to China. 
which is different than when you have Facebook and the data is going to Zuckerberg. Two different reasons. Um, I'm, I'm concerned, but less concerned about the marketing part of it. I'm more concerned about targeting and overthrow of a government using our data. That's what I don't like. I'm not a big fan of that with TikTok, but I know there's a ton of people that use TikTok. I know plenty of people, but this social media is going to be, um, as the Soviet said, maybe the rope that hangs the West. We don't know, but ransomware back to ransomware. That's, that's the, that's this, the, the piece that could disable, could stymie, could put us in a quagmire for getting election results. And I'll, I'll hold that thought until we get to the last, like I said, we'll start with ransomware. We'll end with ransomware. I'll start with what I think is ransomware. I do think this right here, Montgomery County is ransomware. I think this is a ransomware attack. We'll see you later this week. I'm sure it will come out in the news, whether it was ransomware or not. What do you guys think? Let me know. Let me know in your comments. Let me know in the in the in the comments below, in the comments online. If you're with me this morning, what do you think, Montgomery County, Tennessee? Is it a ransomware or just some other type of data data security incident? What other data security incident do you think it could be that would take them offline? Curious minds want to know. The Joker. The Joker and the Smoker. Joker is back. You know where he's at? Hanging out with Google. Um, our second ad, ad of the second second ad of the day, second article of the day. This one's from Security Affairs. We see them fairly, fairly often. Google removed this week. <laughs> this week, Google removed 17 Android apps from its Play Store because they were infected with the Joker malware, the Joker virus, uh, also known as bread. Um, this was revealed by Zscaler. Security researchers from Zscaler spotted 17 apps in the Play Store that were infected with the Joker malware. Joker malware's malicious code camouflaged as a system app that allows attackers to perform a broad range of malicious operations, including disabling the Google Play Protect service, installing malicious apps, and generating fake reviews and show ads on your mobile device. Uh, spyware is able to steal SMS messages, contact list, and device information, along with uh, the ability to sign victims up for premium premium service subscriptions you get to pay the bill that's awesome this follows up uh last october when google removed 24 apps because they were infected with the joker malware um back then the 24 apps had almost half a million installs this time 1700 apps um have been removed at this in January. Oh, in January. Sorry, thought we were talking about the infections this time. No, January and January, Google removed seventeen hundred more apps. So this is seventeen hundred and seventeen now, I guess. So Zscaler, what Zscaler said is, our Zscaler Threat Lab Z research team has been constantly monitoring Joker malware. Recently, we have seen regular uploads into the Google Play Store 
Once, once notified by us, the Google Android security team took prompt action to remove the suspicious apps listed below in the show notes, in the article notes. You can go grab these um, from the Play Store. According to the expert, 17 different samples were uploaded to the Play Store in September 2020. Uh, there's, your, there's the total downloads, 120,000 downloads. There's 120,000 infected systems. Androids floating around out there. It's got a list. You should share this list with your friends, family, coworkers. Um, might even just throw this in an email. Say, send it out to your friends. Say, hey, any of you guys using Android out there, if you installed any of these 17 apps, just 17 of them, not, uh, not the 1700 the earlier, A lot of them I could see people using private SMS, one sentence translator, photo collage, meticulous scanner, good PDF scanner, hummingbird PDF converter and photo to PDF, all good PDF scanner. Bunch of stuff here, desire translate, talent photo editor, blur focus. There's there's seven, 17 apps here. You can go to the, go to the article, grab the article, Cut this bulleted list out. Throw it in an email to your friends. I might throw this in Facebook even. Throw it on a Facebook. If you've got these things installed on your Android device, you have been infected. The, analyst published, the analysis published by Zscaler includes details about tactics used by Joker Malware, the Joker Malware author to bypass the Google Play vetting process. It says there's three ways they do this. First, um, for some of the Joker variants, the final payload was delivered by a direct URL received from the C2 or command and control server. In this variant, the C and C address was hidden in the code itself with string obfuscation. Obfuscation. You guys, guys don't have a hard time saying that. Um, in the second download scenario, some effect, some infected apps used a stage stager payload to retrieve the final payload. In this case, the stager payload URL is encoded in the code itself, and it was encrypted using AES. And in the third scenario, some groups of infected Google Play Store apps were using a two-stage payload download to retrieve the final payload. The Google Play infected app downloads the stage one payload, which in turn downloads stage two, which finally adds the Joker in stage three. Unlike the previous scenarios, the infected app contacts the CNC server uh, for the stage one load payload URL, which hides it in the location header. Nice. Uh, Zscaler has a report out and I'm surprised they don't link to it. I just kind of go to Zscaler. Zscaler has a report out that has the IOCs or the indicators of compromise. If you want to load them into your system to look for this stuff. Um, this, is, this is mobile apps, man. Mobile apps, the best way is to get a hold of your friends, family. I say, hey, um, grab this list. Throw it on Facebook. Throw it in an email, send it to your friends. Maybe take it to work today. 
send it out an email at work. Maybe see if you're, you're, you're or whoever's running your training, your threat center, maybe they can put this list out at your job. Obviously, why do people want to do this? Why, why, oh, why do people want to do this? Well, they want to get on your system. That's it. If you see what they can do, right? They, they can do all kinds of stuff to your to your system, right? They can read and send SMS messages. They can install other apps. They can buy things. I think that's one of the big things, you know, go out and buy some premium services that they created, make some money. A lot of times all roads lead back to cash. We're talking about a lot of this malicious code, a lot of these bad guys. All roads lead back to cash. And that's one of the reasons they do these things. Generate fake reviews, show ads. Um, yeah, how do we stop this thing? Keep malware protection on all your devices. I know a lot of you have friends that don't run malware on their tablets and their phones. And there's plenty of reasons why people don't do that. There's, there's, some people just don't think it's you're going to get malware on your phone. Some people don't want to pay for it. Um, that's first thing. You need some kind of malware protection on your tablets, your phones, your desktops, your laptops. Of course, we want it everywhere. Um, the other thing is watch where you download stuff. Watch what you're downloading. Down, download it not only from a reputable site, but from a reputable vendor. And I don't know who made these apps. They may all be made by the same people with different names. Um, but you go on to the Z-Source, and that's, this, that's the tough part about this one. The Google Store, if you go to the Play Store, it, those, should be, those should be all vetted apps, right? They should all be vetted there. But I don't think Google, and, and I know a lot of you guys are going to get on me for saying that I'm an Apple fanboy, but it seems to me that Apple has a better vetting process. While it's not bulletproof, they have a better vetting process for the Apple Store than the Google Play Store. It seems like we're seeing more and more malicious software on the Google Play Store than we see on the Apple Store. Am I wrong? Am I right? Let me know in the comments. Let me know. Is Apple better at vetting their products, their, their applications? Then Google, I'm going to say yes. I'm going on a limb, guys. Going on a limb this morning. Going on a limb with the first story. I'll go on the limb with the second story. First story, I say, is malware. Second story, I'm saying Apple does a better job of vetting their applications. Third and our system, systematic rundown of what's going on. Pastebin, ZDNet, this is a ZDNet article. They lead off, their headline is, Pastebin adds burn after read and password protected pastes to the dismay of the InfoSec community. So essentially there's, you can put a lot of, snippets of code, a lot of data into Pastebin. It's not the only one, but it is the biggest one. Let's see, Sierra. To be fair, Google reads all our mail and documents, so it's practically malicious software itself. 
Oh. <laughs> that is true. I remember when Gmail came out. Do you know if you post everything in Gmail? Whatever you put in Gmail, they can read. Same in the EULA. <laughs> good point. Good point, Sierra. Definitely good point. Um, so the article from ZDNet starts out saying, Basepin is the most popular website where users can share small snippets of text. And they've added two new features today that cybersecurity researchers believe are going to be wild, widely and wildly abused by malware operator. Named Burned After Read and Password Protected Pastes, the two new features allow Pastebin users to create pieces of text that expire after single read or paste that are protected by a password. Article is on saying none of the two features are original. They have been present in many sites for a year years however they're new to pastebin by which by far is the most popular paste portal it's ranked in the top 2000 of the most popular sites on the internet so what's the problem here is the bad guy can post pieces of code to pastebin and have them delete after one read which means that they could infect a system, have it reach out to Pastebin for code, pull that code down, run the code, and then the code disappears. So there it goes on. Pastebin has been abused by malware operations. As with anything popular, this has attracted a lot of content that's been hosted on the platform. While some people use it to host pieces of code or text they wanted to share with a colleague, over the past decade, Pastebin has turned into a de, de facto hosting service for malicious code. Across the years, mal malware authors have used Pastebin to store malicious commands that they retrieve and run on an infected host. Hacked data, IP addresses, uh, and mal malware command and control servers, as many as, as <laughs> and many other operational details. Ted Samuels, an incident response consultant, told ZDNet today it's hard to put a number or percentage on Pastebin's presence in malware operations, but it's described as not uncommon. He quotes there. Quotes there. Um, I guess this is Daniels going on here. Pastebin is by far the most prolific paste site and fairly popular staging ground for fileless attacks using PowerShell. For example, a threat actor's initial payload may use PowerShell to download additional and often obfuscated code from pastebin.com for the further execution by a PowerShell. Um, the prolific Cobalt Strike framework can be used and loaded this way. Cobalt Strike's pretty bad. Bad in a good way. Um, if you're a pen tester, you're a red teamer, you're, you're you're doing things the the right way, you're probably using Cobalt Strike. It's a cool tool. Problem is, bad guys use cool tools too. To counteract Pastebin's rising popularity among malware devs, throughout the years, cybersecurity companies have created tools that scrape new Pastebin entries and search for malicious or sensitive-looking content as soon as been uploaded to the site. These malicious pastes are indexed in a private threat intel databases that are used later for incident response and are also reported to Pastebin to have them taken down. So that's the big point here, right? Is we as a security community 
as cyber folks, as as risk folks, we know what's going on with Pastebin. We know bad guys are posting code there. So there's an API that connects to Pastebin, and there's some tools that run that constantly scrape it looking for new pieces of malicious code. And then when malicious code is identified, they alert it, they put it in a threat database, and they alert Pastebin, and then ask Pastebin to take it down, which historically Pastebin has been pretty slow about taking stuff down. I don't know if they're overworked, they just don't believe in that kind of stuff. But now, now we have password protected encrypted files, and we have these burn after read files. So if you're on the instant response side and you can track this thing back to Pastebin, when you go to look for the file that was run, it's gonna be gone. And the API that's scraping these, these sites looking for stuff is not going to be able to read the password-protected pastes. Hmm. Brian, a security researcher from Pittsburgh. You know Brian. I love this article sometimes. Brian, a security researcher from Pittsburgh. It's hyperlink. It probably goes to his, his Twitter field or something like that. A security researcher from Pittsburgh told ZDNet, Unless they're taking measures that aren't immediately apparent to prevent the use of burn after reading and password protection for C2 or command and control malware staging, those would seem pretty helpful features for attackers to use pastebin for those ends. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not kidding you, voice from the sky. I am not kidding you. This guy, Brian, love to see who Brian is. Brian from Pittsburgh. Jake says in a post in his Twitter, I can already see how this is going to be used by threat actors. Going to make tracking these threats a hundred times or hundred X harder. Who is Pace been working for? Security or the threat actors? I think Pace burn, Pace, Pace burn. <laughs> I think Pastebin is actually working for, for developers. I think that's what it was designed for, developers. Um, yeah, it's definitely something to watch out for, right? The new features go beyond just detecting what was uploaded in real time. Also impacts post-infection IR investigations. Samuels told ZDNet, this new challenge will now make it harder for incident responders to quickly evaluate what may have been downloaded and executed in some environments. Yeah, so if you're working with your IR teams out there, your incident response teams, they need to know about this too. And again, Pastebin is not the only one doing this. They aren't. Um, other sites are doing it too, but it's just their biggest, the biggest one. So we talk, the article talks a little bit about, you know, they drag their feet, um, and cleaning up data, sometimes they being Pastebin. Um, Pastebin says, Pastebin was created for developers, by developers, and is used globally by millions. Of course, every platform has some bad actors who try to take advantage, including GitHub, Twitter, Facebook, Dropbox, PrivNotes, SendSpace, to name a few. Of course, of course. Of course, there's some overreaction from InfoSec Twitter, and it's just not Pastebin. There are many paste sites with similar functionality. Uh, post post bin post b 
Samuel.in, for example, Samuel said, there's a lot of sites out there, right? There's a lot of sites that do that. This pastebin's just, pastebin's just a big one. Um, so there's more and more and more data in this, but we get to the end. However, pastebin says there are two new features that might be abused. The company has also put features in to help the good guys. There's a list of these, including this year we introduced the new enterprise API subscription to provide better data subscription for our business customers. They partnered with the global security companies for protection of our site, as well as enriching the data uh, of their products and services. They partnered with global search, and they give a list of those, and law enforcement agencies. Internally, uh, as it relates to malicious content, a partnership with organizations mentioned above, we take proper actions in mitigating these data, which they, the article kind of counters that, saying they're slow to do that. For researchers, academia, and industry organizations approved by us, we grant access to at no cost. Lastly, implementation of the abuse management and threat analysis teams who work closely with law enforcement and industry partners. Looks like Pastebin is between a kind of a rock and a hard place. They've got a function that they do. They provide this the service, this ability to paste stuff and retrieve it later and to share it with other people. Um, but it's being abused by some folks. And in the, in the article, somewhere deep buried in this article, is, you know, the right to privacy that some of these people have. You know, if if this can be scraped by APIs, if other people can look at this, and you want to keep your data private, do you have the right to do that? If you're using this platform, and the platform has tools available to make your data secure, to make it so it can only be read one time and then it gets destroyed, to make it password protected, is that a good thing? I, I, I would say overall, for the majority of things, that's a good thing. But I think it's, it's obviously being abused, right? So how do you tackle that abuse of a legitimate system? So what can you do at your work today? Um, this is one thing you don't worry about. This is one of the things at work I would worry about. Um, obviously, if the malicious code is calling to Pastebin to retrieve one of these burn, you know, burn after read notices, the easiest way to stop this is to keep your end users from going to Pastebin, right? Do your end users have a need to go to Pastebin? That's the question you'd ask. The risk question today, your risk question today, risk folks, folks out there in the risk world, do your does all of your community, does all of your organizational uh, users, do they need do they need the ability to go to Pastebin? Maybe your devs do. You know, it's it's a, a community built for for sharing of code. Question is, do you want your devs going out to Pastebin for code to start with? That's a different question. Should your developers be going out and grabbing code from the internet and using that on applications they build? That's a question to ask yourself. Um, but should the majority of your users be able to go out to Pastebin? And I think, you know, that admin assistant, that help desk analyst, that broker, that threat analyst, that wh whoever the operational people, do they really need to go to Postbin to do anything. If you cut that off, if you block that in your your filtering, right, your proxies, if you have something like 
blue coat not not that i'm um advocating blue coat but blue coat's a good proxy if you just put turn turn the ability to go to blue you know maybe just turn off your firewalls do egress filtering don't let people go to paste bin if you're worried about this this is a threat vector that's why the risk people need to get involved what is the risk here what is the risk allowing people to go to paste bin and should they be going out there risk folks what do you think should let me know let me know in the comments should your users should your general population be going out to paste bin acquiring minds want to know all right your last last up for the day i voted this is a gigantic article pretty big article from New York Times. This is um, this is by Nicole Peralth, Pearl Roth and David Sanger um, from the New York Times. Tyler Technologies is in the news. Um, it starts out attacks against small towns, big cities, and the contractors who run their voting systems have federal officials fearing that hackers will try to sow chaos around the election. I told you we're going to bracket this day, bracket the show today, ransomware and ransomware on both sides. Uh, sowing chaos. Only uh, SAST and DAST are in place. Fast and DAST are in place, says Mike. Uh, doing filtering um, on content. Mike needs to provide more info on SAST and DAST filtering. That would be uh, a good thing. Um, so... New York Times, a Texas company that sells software that cities and states use to display results on election night, were hit by ransomware last week. The latest of nearly a thousand such attacks that happened over the past year against small towns, big cities, their contractors run voting system. Sorry, one got off off topic there. Um, we have a question from a uh, comment from before. Yeah. Can you do, and I don't know enough about Pacepin to know this, so maybe, maybe Mike or Sierra, you know this. We're going back to back, reversing back up a little bit to the, Earlier story, code analysis on Pacebin. That's Aston. The the ability to do. Now let's get the the acronym right. It's uh, static analysis, the security tools, and dynamic analysis security tools. I don't. I think that's the right term. Can you do? Like how would how. How would you run all of Pacebin through, 
through that. Now, if you say, I mean, just run it on the, the code that's downloaded, that's one thing. I, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but if you're doing code analysis on all of Pastebin, and I think that's what maybe the APIs are doing. They're looking, they're looking for code that's malicious. And obviously, if you're pulling code down, yeah, you should do some kind of analysis on it. Um, but how would you how as part of a malicious a malware attack? How would they're trying to think how that would help? I think that's kind of what the APIs are doing. And obviously, you have to subscribe to those. Most of those are commercial. But I don't know. It's a good 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 question, Mike and Sierra. I, I'm just not quite sure how to. How you do that across all of Pastebin? Maybe you can. I think you'd have to have that API, which okay, it's it's coming in. Uh, yeah, just the code you're downloading. Yeah, it's two different to the Bravo team. There's two different vectors here, right? Uh, and I think I agree with you totally. Your your devs that are going out and pulling code down, yeah, that's exactly 100% right. Run it through those analysis tools, static and dynamic. Um, but for the malicious actor threat, and I think that's for your devs that are going out and do this, yeah, uh, analysis tools, um, application analysis tools, definitely have to run those. But for the malicious code, the rest of your user base shouldn't even be going out to paste I don't think. But great point, Mike. Yeah, and Sierra. I'll give you both credit for that. Um, so back to this one. Uh, Texas company that sells software, you know, we, uh, we already talked about that. Um, many of the attacks are conducted by Russian criminal groups, some with shady ties to President Vladimir Putin's intelligence services. But the attack on Tyler Technologies, which is the co company out in Texas, uh, which constituted on Friday, uh, which continued on Friday, not constituted on Friday, um, with efforts by outsiders to log into the client systems around the country. Um, particularly rattling less than 40 days before the election. So this company, Tyler, does not actually tally the votes, but it's used by election officials to aggregate and report on them in at least 20 places around the country, making it exactly the kind of soft target that the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, the United States Cyber Command, worry about people trying to sow chaos in and uncertainty election night. Tyler would not describe the attack in detail. It initially appeared to be an ordinary, ordinary attack, which data is made inaccessible unless victim pay the ransom, usually in harder to trace cryptocurrencies. But some of the Tyler clients, the company would not say which one, saw outsiders trying to gain access to their systems on Friday night, raising fear that the attacker might profit uh, might be might be, might be after something more than just quick profit. And that's what I was thinking. You know, camouflage it as ransomware. Camouflage it is you want the money, but really be going out to swing the elections, right? Um, that has been the fear haunting federal officials for a year now. In the days leading up to the election or its aftermath, ransomware groups will try to freeze voter registration data, election poll books, uh, or the computer systems of the secretaries of state who certify election results. But only 37 days before election, federal investigators say they don't have a clear picture of whether the ransomware attacks 
clobbering America networks or purely criminal acts, seeking a quick payday or Trojan horses for more nefarious Russian interference. They've not had much success stopping them. In the first two weeks of September, another seven American government entities have been hit with ransomware and their data stolen. We see that at the beginning here with our Tennessee story. Uh, Brett Callow, a threat analyst from Emersoft, said the chance of local government not being hit while attempting to manage the upcoming and already ridiculously messy election would seem to be very slim. Yeah. Christopher Krebs says, we've seen these, we've been hardening these systems since last summer. Krebs runs the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency for DHS. Um, he noted that the agency was trying to make sure local election officials printed out their electronic poll book, which are used to check in voters so they had backups. And we talked about Homeland Security probably a month ago. And they've got a set of tools that they've made available to, to counties across the country, to the state across the country, states across the country, the cybersecurity tools, and a lot of the majority of counties and a lot of the states are just not using the tools for whatever reason. They, they, they're saying they don't have the ability to implement the tools. We talked about this earlier. There's a lot of people that need experience in security. Um, there's a lot of states and counties that don't have the ability to implement these tools, but how do you match those two things up? It's very hard to figure out how to match those the two things up. Um, that's just, that's the tools are out there. DHS is putting the tools out there. They're giving them for free to the states and the counties saying, here are things that will help you. And the states and counties come back saying, yeah, that's great, but we don't have the bodies and the time to implement these things. So... Krebs goes on to say they're making tremendous progress in the effort uh, getting on this problem early. They did get on early, but if you don't have people on the other end that are helping you, it, it doesn't help. Still, some officials worry that President Trump's repeated assertion that the election, um, we're not going to lose this except if they cheat, maybe the 2020 equivalent of Russia, if you're listening, uh, as a signal to hackers to create a... Uh, enough instance to bolter its unfounded claims of widespread fraud. I, I do think in reading this article, it is heavily, heavily influenced on the left. It's, it leans to the left quite a bit. I would love to see news agencies just report down the middle. Um, so far, Mr. Trump, and I don't like, I don't like when they call the president, whether it's the current president, former president, President Obama, President Trump, President Bush, whoever it is, their president. It's like, call him the president, please. So far, Mr. Trump has focused on mail-in ballots and new balloting system, but no election, but but on election night, uh, it would be no faster to create turmoil than altering the report, in, reporting of the vote, even if the vote itself was free of fraud. Um, these guys, these reporters got this term perception attack, perception hack. This would be a classic perception hack changing the, the per perception. They say it about 15 times in the article. It's probably about three or four times, but it's just over and over. They keep, this is the classic perception attack. It's when somebody gets a new term, they get to say it over and over again. So today in your day, use the term perception attack. 
Uh, Russians tried this and almost got away with it in Ukraine's presidential election six years ago. It's one reason the FBI warned last week that days after the election could result in disinformation that includes reports from various uh, voter suppression, cyber attacks targeting election infrastructure, voter or ballot fraud, and other problems included in the, in, into the convenience intended to convince the public of the election's illegitimacy. I can't talk this morning. FBI made no, no mention of Mr. Trump's own declaration that if Mr. Biden wins the election, the election must be illegitimate or his baseless attacks on mail-in ballots. Again, uh, different, whole different th story there. But on Saturday night in the rally in Pennsylvania, the president openly speculated how uncertain outcome could throw the election into the courts or Congress, places where he believes he has the advantage. When he talks about Ransomware being a rising concern, um, DHS has put out tools to help with this. Over the last 18 months, cyber criminals primarily based in Russia and Eastern Europe have hit American sector with more ransomware attacks than any other period on record, according to MSoft, which tracks incursions. A record of 966 ransomware attacks hit the public sector last year. Two-thirds of them talked targeting state or local governments. I, I don't, again, these, these guys, <coughs> I'm not saying they're bad reporters. 160, or 966 ransomware attacks hit the American public sector. Two-thirds of them targeting state or local government. That's it. I'd love to see, and there's no links to where they're, they're getting their information from. I'd love to see where that came from. So I guess the one-third is the federal government? I don't know. Among them, a Texas county voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016, as well as counties that helped determine the 2016 election in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, Georgia, and other cities and counties that will most likely play critical roles in deciding the close Senate races in South Carolina, Kentucky, Colorado, Maine in November. FBI concluded there there will likely I'm talking about ransomware will likely threaten the availability of data on interconnected election servers in November, according to the Bureau analysis. A little infighting, talk about some infighting between the FBI and other people. The big point here, uh, let's see. Yeah, this just goes on and on. It's huge. Um, Part here is, you know, this part about Ukraine, about, you know, 14 pages down in this article. Uh, the display software is precisely the kind of soft target that intelligence agencies warned could be subject to foreign manipulation on election day. In Ukraine, the case in 2014, Russian hackers got into the software that reported the country's election results to the media, altering it to falsely claim victory of a far-right candidate. Ukrainian, Ukrainians caught the hack just in time and reported the correct results on television that night. Tellingly, Russian media, Russian state media still reported that the far-right candidate had won the presidency. It was a classic perception attack because even if the actual ballots were untouched, the attack that displayed the vote cast, cast doubt on the, the ultimate results 
and it could be enough to cast uncertainty in voters' mind and somehow show the election was illegitimate. Sitting officials and candidates should use the absolute greatest amount of restraint and caution if they're considering publicly calling the validity of an upcoming election into question. The report said that there's nothing uh, that doing so would only exacerbate the already damaged messaging efforts by foreign intelligence services. So, I, I, you know, the, the bottom line of this, this, this goes on and on and on and on. Thing is, is we know the bad guy is going to be out there trying to impact the elections, both social media and in cyber attacks. Um, if they are able to influence this, um, and I think just knocking some of these systems offline could be bad enough. Um, we're going to more automated systems. Um, if they have the ability to knock those things offline, it, it could delay the vote. Um, it could sway the vote and it could just, you know, this coupled with a social media attack where they don't have to, they being the bad guys, don't have to necessarily impact these systems. If they delay the systems from, from calculating the correct votes and then on social media, they put out their own version of what happened, whether it's Biden that wins or Trump that wins, whichever way you want to sway this and the actual tabulations aren't able to be quickly produced, that becomes part of the social media attack campaign. I think there's a lot coming at us this month. I think there's a lot coming at us in November. We're going to see a lot of ransomware. We're going to see a lot of swaying on social media. It's up to you guys. It's up to you guys to risk the cybersecurity folks to go out and calm the masses. Make sure people, when they're reading social media, and this is the hardest one you're going to have, is is the article they're reading on social media, does it really pass the sniff test? Is it a true story? Is it backed up? Or is it a story that's just on one far right or far left site that is that is made up? Got a lot to do. You got to get, you know, to me, my personal, my, my, my view, get out and vote. Hopefully you're, you know, the, the best candidate for the country wins. And I'm not going to go into politics. This is not a politics channel. This is a security channel. But I think voting is part of part of that. I think that having a secure system to vote is important. Um, and if you, I know there's a lot of people out here in the D.C., the DMV area. Some of you may be involved in securing these voting systems. And Godspeed to you, man. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, hopefully you're you're getting all the support you need. Hopefully you're. Everything's getting locked down. Everything's getting taken care of. Um, all across the country, there's plenty of folks that are going to be swayed by social media. And we have to be there to try to tell people. Not everything on Facebook, not everything on Twitter, not everything on the, the TikToks. The TikToks is true. It's easy to make stuff up. So 30, 37, 36, 35, whatever, how many days we've got. I mean, we got to got to help help get this thing through the right way. So ransomware still out there. It's going after this this company in Texas, Tyler Technology, used to tabulate stuff to get the to present the um, correlation of who's winning. Plano, Texas, right outside Dallas Fort Worth there. Probably worth reading the whole giant article from 
the New York Times. They go on and on and on and on. These guys are are happy to write, I guess. Um, the old article. Worth, worth reading, though, to get the full details of it. I think we hit the big parts. You know, we have to look out for people attacking the elect electoral system in the next month, a little, little over a month. Um, that's with ransomware locally. I, I don't know how. If we're at this point, 30 days out, I don't know how any of these localities, these counties, these states are going to get the tools that were given to them by Homeland Security. If they haven't got them in place now, I fear they're not going to be able to get them in place in time. It's just not one thing you can do overnight, I don't think. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? What's going on? Voting, voting, voting. The other thing is for your walk around the water cooler today when you get there, I guess, if you get there, if you're going somewhere, if you're talking about on your first dial-in meeting of the day, your water cooler talk, it's ask a stupid question day. Um... Ask a stupid question day. You just ask those silly and stupid questions. It's funny, this was this day was created in the 1980s by the teachers to get students to ask more questions because they thought students were afraid of asking questions because they didn't want to sound stupid. So they created a day just to ask a stupid question. So this is ask a stupid question day. Um, like ask a stupid question, get a stupid answer. Um, there's more in the link. You can read about read about it from the Observer. Ask a stupid question. Amy Wines Winesick wrote a big old article about it. So that's what you got going on today. I hope you guys have good things planned for the day. I hope there's hundred there's 168 hours between now and this time next week. What do you have? What do you have happening that you can make a difference? Sierra saying, ask a stupid question days every day. Sometimes it seems like it, doesn't it? Uh, maybe to get your end users today to ask that stupid question. Help ask the question about phishing, that's for sure. Help us out on phishing. Don't click the link, ask a question. So let's ask a stupid question. Hopefully you got good things planned. Take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers. Watch out for new News articles, I don't I want to call them news. Watch out for articles on social media. They're going to try to sway votes one way or the other. Uh, we know it's coming. Be on guard. To be forewarned is to be prepared. Um, know that both the left and the right are going to throw articles at you. Know both China and Russia are going to throw articles at you. They're going to try to impact the election. The best candidate for the country needs to win. And... and Whichever way you, you guys think that is, that's up to you. That's not, we, we're not turning political here, but we just need to do that for our country. And the system that supports that needs to be secure. Um, it's kind of like the risk folks, you know. Risk folks determine the risk picture and they give it to the AO. And the AO makes that decision, but they have to be fully informed. Your users, your voters, they have to be fully informed of the truth. So that's what I'm going to say about that. You guys go out there and make it do good things. Sierra, if you don't, I'm going to maybe beat you to it. I know you're going to say it. You and Mike are going to say it. Go get some. I'm going to say, take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers, each other. Join us again tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m. We'll be here online waiting to meet you up, seeing what's on the news. Hopefully, we'll have some good stuff for you tomorrow. Um, until then, be good, and we'll see you on 
tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning. Almost running out of September. See you then.